Garland of Visions, Bhanadarsanam, verse number 5. That owing to which the senses, mind and intellect and their corresponding objects as well as the five vital airs appear manifestly is known as the subtle manifestation of consciousness for the reason of its dependence on subtle factors. The total world is seen in the bhana darshana as one consciousness or chit manifesting in accordance with various conditioning factors. What the gross world is comprised of was examined in verses 3 and 4. The world as seen by Vedantins is not merely an aggregate of perceptual physical entities. An idea concerning everything thus perceived also gets formulated in the mind and it is in the form of this mental image that the external world is experienced. Whether this mental image and the world actually existing externally correspond exactly to each other is a matter no one can decide. Still, it is undeniable that the subjective experiential side can never be kept aside from the context of perceiving the physical world. It is also not sure whether the subjective experience I have of the world is exactly the same as the one you have. This experiential side is given shape by the unified activity of our senses, their objects, the antakaranas, mental faculties, and the five vital airs, panchapranas, that according to Indian psychologists activate all these. Ears, srotra, skin, tvak, eyes, chakshus, tongue, rasana, and nose, grana, are the five sense organs and their corresponding objects, vishayas, are sound, shabda, touch, sparsha, form, rupa, taste, rasa, and smell, gandha. The contact between the senses and their respective objects is controlled and transformed into world experience by the mental faculties known as antakaranas, comprised of manas, mind, buddhi, intellect, chitta, the faculty that stores up memories and recalls them, and ahankara, ego. Probing into everything, asking the question, what is this, is the job of manas or buddhi, manas or mind. Buddhi, intellect, answers this question. Finding out an answer mostly requires the help of previous experiences already stored up as our memories. Putting the ideas and image, images in storage in our memory is done by chitta itself, recalling them as and when needed to help buddhi. What is thus ascertained is then evaluated relating it with one's own value notions of or likes and dislikes in life. This is done by ahankara, the ego. The four together, reduced here to the two, manas and buddhi, is what is known as the antakaranas, inner faculties. Prana, apana, vyana, udana and samana are the five vital airs called panchapranas. The function of each is seen by the Upanishadic Rishis and Shankara, with slight variations among them. These, in short, constitute the vital, <coughs> vital functions that sustain an organic being. 
All the above mentioned factors together constitute the subtle elements in the existence of individual beings forming what is known as Sukshma Sharira or Linga Sharira in the Vedanta of Shankara. As the one consciousness functionally manifesting, assuming the form of the above mentioned subtle factors, it is called Sukshma Bhana by Narayana Guru. The first five chapters of the Darshanamala shown from five various perspectives how the world is related to the one absolute reality, that reality being pure consciousness, chit in essence. What appears as the world is the functional modes, bhana, of that one chit. Such is the overall point of view adopted in the bhana darshana. The bhana understood here is to be seen not merely as something that happens within individual minds alone, but as having a universal dimension also. It is for this reason that the Upanishad often think of a samashti pursha, universal person, sometimes also called Virata Purusha. The word Virat simply means that which finds expression assuming all specific forms. A universal counterpart of what takes place within an individual mind <coughs> could well be imagined as what takes place in a cosmic mind or the mind of God, as was pointed out as early as in chapter 1. It was stated then that the dream was imaginarily created by God as if in a dream. The idea that the world is a prolonged dream seen by God or the universal mind is repeated by the Guru himself in many of his other works also. It is where God dreaming the world and individuals dreaming the world find oneness that the real non-dual nature of the Sukshma Bhana is to be intuitively perceived by the seeker. The Guru in his concise works in the Malayalam language called Ariva, Consciousness Examined, says, All the dreams that well up within one consciousness have being only as functional modes of the very same consciousness. So is the case with everything. Verse 3. To elucidate, a dream experience happens within an individual's mind. What is substantial in such dream sites is merely the mind or consciousness of the dreamer. Let us see God's mind in the place of an individual dreaming mind. Then the dream seen by God's mind becomes the world, and the essential content in it is nothing other than God's mind. The Sukshma Bhana also has to have its generic and specific sides. All the experiences we have are the outcome of a creative fusion of the functional states of our sense organs, their objects, mental faculties or antakaranas, and the vital forces or pranas. Every such experience could well be treated as a specific form of knowledge or mental image. In either case, it is a functional mode of consciousness having become specifically manifest and concerning each such experience, we could say, this is knowledge. This is yet another knowledge. Such process of knowledge knowing itself in psychology is known as apperception. Its Sanskrit equivalent is 
ಪ್ರತ್ಯವಸಾಯ ಪ್ರತ್ಯವಸಾಯ ಇನ್ ಸ್ಟೇಟ್ಮೆಂಟ್ ಸೊ ಯು ಹ್ಯಾವ್ ಪರ್ಸೆಪ್ಷನ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ದೆನ್ ಯು ಹ್ಯಾವ್ ಎ ಪರ್ಸೆಪ್ಷನ್ ಪರ್ಸೆಪ್ಷನ್ ಇಸ್ ವೆನ್ ಯು ಸೀ ಇಟ್ ಎ ಪರ್ಸೆಪ್ಷನ್ ಇಸ್ ವೆನ್ ಯು ನೋ ವಾಟ್ ಯು ಆರ್ ಸೀಯಿಂಗ್ ವೆನ್ ದ ನಾಲೆಜ್ ಆಫ್ ವಾಟ್ ಯು ಆರ್ ಡೂಯಿಂಗ್ ದಟ್ ಇಸ್ ಕಾಲ್ಡ್ ಎ ಪರ್ಸೆಪ್ಷನ್ ಪರ್ಸೆಪ್ಷನ್ ಇಸ್ ಜಸ್ಟ್ ದ ಫಿಸಿಕಲ್ ಥಿಂಗ್ ಹ್ಯಾಪನಿಂಗ್ ಯು ಆರ್ ಪರ್ಸೀವಿಂಗ್ ಸಮಥಿಂಗ್ ಇನ್ ದ ಸ್ಟೇಟ್ಮೆಂಟ್ ದಿಸ್ ಇಸ್ ನಾಲೆಜ್ ಆಲ್ಸೋ ದ ದಿಸ್ ಸ್ಟ್ಯಾಂಡ್ಸ್ ಫಾರ್ ಇಟ್ಸ್ ಜೆನರಿಕ್ ಸೈಡ್ because uttering that word alone creates only the general impression that something is going to be said about something and because the word this could be used refer referring to anything the generic this gains a specificity as the words is knowledge are added and therefore is knowledge is here the specific or visesha side of the statement this is knowledge this is knowledge again is a general statement that could be made concerning any knowledge the word this here therefore represents the generic aspect of all such knowledges generally in other words it is the genus of all genera this peculiarity of this in this is knowledge provides us with a clue to meditate on the nature and content of pure knowledge pure consciousness the essential content of the self or atma every knowledge we gain is referable as this is knowledge and has in it a generic this 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 thus representing the generic most aspect of knowledge could be meditated upon to realize the nature and content of the self narayana guru himself gives directions to do this in verse 42 of his atma upadesha satakam 100 verses of self instruction this meditation reveals that this in this is knowledge referring as it is to the generic content in all knowledges denotes the ineffable content of consciousness thinkable neither as that of an individual person nor of a cosmic person this meditation leads us to the realization of the ultimate reality or sat as the self atma so integrated science of the absolute bhanadarshanam prologue structure of intuitionist mathematics continuation it is not difficult to discover a similar structural plan in corner's book also bringing light on the same distinction between vertical and horizontal aspects called here perceptual or mathematical objects they are treated as having no direct participation with each other but must necessarily belong to the same ground in consciousness where alone mathematics could be possible this participation cannot be any other than the element 0 v the sum and the product are both resolved in favor of proper horizontal or improper vertical elements we read from corner once again it is natural and easy to extend the unconnectedness thesis from concept to objects statements and theories we define a perceptual object as one which has only perceptual characteristics a mathematical object as one which has only mathematical characteristics and the two objects as unconnected 
if their characteristics are unconnected. Thus, mathematical and perceptual objects are unconnected. We define a statement as perceptual if and only if to assert it is to assign or refuse a perceptual characteristic of one or more objects and we define it as purely exact if and only if the concepts which are assigned or refused in asserting the statement are purely exact. We call the assigned or refused concepts the constituent concepts of the statement and define two statements as unconnected if and only if their constituent concepts are unconnected. Mathematical and perceptual statements are thus unconnected. Lastly, we call a theory purely exact if and only if all the statements and all the constituent concepts of the statement are purely exact. And we call it perceptual if one or more of its statements and therefore one or more of their constituent concepts are perceptual. Thus, mathematical and perceptual theories are unconnected. Thus, the pure philosophy of mathematical intuition tallies with its own experienced or experimental counterpart. The former tends to be axiomatic and descends through various stages of postulates, theorems, riders, lemmas, etc., in order to give logical results of descending certitude. Only hypothetical certitudes are derived from experimental observations which are most certain at the pole of actual things and events having a horizontal reference. The hypothetical constructions find their place in that intermediate zone where reasoning descending from axioms is able to meet the ascending hypothetical constructions. Axiomatic and experimental thinking thus meet and yield an ambiguous certitude in the middle zone where both types of thinking join the various grades of certitude involved are distinguished as follows. To sum up our discussion of applied mathematics, the application to perception of pure mathematics, which is logically disconnected from perception, consists in a more or less strictly regulated activity involving one, the replacement of empirical concepts and propositions by mathematical Two, the deduction of consequences from the mathematical premises so provided. And three, the replacement of some of the deduced mathematical propositions by empirical. One might add for the experimental confirmation of the last mentioned propositions, which however is the task of the experimental scientist rather than the theoretical. The present state of intuitionist mathematics is superseding even the formalism of Hilbert as is sufficiently clear from the above-mentioned quotations. It is interesting to note that in the quotation to follow, the use of belief, which term is rather unusual for an ordinary scientist to use, as he is more usually prefers to be called a skeptic or a man of systematic doubt. An element of faith is necessarily involved when one goes from perceptual physics to conceptual metaphysics. It is intuitionist mathematics alone that can accomplish this transition without violating the requirements of human understanding. In a later quotation, we will see Bergson referring to the faith of the physicist because even for the theoretical physicists, it is necessary to go beyond what is strictly perceptual. 
Faith is necessary in order to have a normative reference outside of the perceptual for the adequacy or regularity of thought. We conclude this section with the final quotation from Korner. It is indeed likely that intuitionist mathematics on the lines of Brouwer's program will continue to flourish, whether his themes are accepted as self-evident insights or not. Many mathematicians are profoundly interested in its problems without being noticeably interested in its privileged status. Belief in the satisfiability of the intuitionist program has not been shaken.